Welcome to Vegas Revealed, episode 15. We are starting to see a light at the end of the coronavirus tunnel here in Vegas. How the city's going to look a bit different when it reopens. Plus, we can't physically go to the movies, but pretty much everyone is streaming new shows, old shows, new movies, old movies. We talked to film critic Josh Bell about what's hot and also what local filmmakers are doing. Plus, our two tips all right now. Welcome everyone to Vegas Revealed. I'm Dana Roselli. And I'm Sean McAllister. You know, for the past, what, three, four, five, I don't even know how many episodes ago, we've been talking about the reopening of Las Vegas, when that's going to happen. We still don't have an exact date, but what we are starting to see is what the city is going to look like once we are able to welcome people back here, Dana. I know. And, you know, there's so much to read up on and and really investigate to figure it all out and kind of picture what's going to happen here. And I must say a little bit of it is unnerving, that's for sure. But it's May 1st when we're recording this. And one thing that has changed is people are able to do some more activities outside. Today, I looked over and down from my balcony, I live right near the Strip, but in a high rise, um, Sean, and they were playing tennis. And I was so excited because we can now golf play tennis, and pickleball starting May 1st. <laughs> Thank God for the return of pickleball. So, okay. This is what I, I know that we were both just kind of having a chuckle over this because when the governor started to ease restrictions, he just announced that we can start going back outside, having some of our outdoor recreational activities returning. But one of the things that was mentioned specifically by name was pickleball. And who the hell knew that pickleball was so big that it would be mentioned specifically? Well, that's what we said. But apparently the joke's on us because we were talking to someone else about it and they were like, oh no, pickleball is a thing. Like there's pickleball courts and, you know, people get out there and they play and, and I had no idea. So obviously I don't think there's a a large population of Las Vegas that we come in contact with that love pickleball, but apparently pickleball is a thing. Well, what about, I mean, I remember playing it like in gym, in gym class, like when on days when we were supposed to go outside, but it was either too snowy or too rainy. And they would like, they would have us play pickleball in the gym with like wooden paddles and wiffle balls. But I didn't know that it was like a seriously competitive thing apparently it is i mean what's next is our tetherball courts opening back up i don't know i know are we going to be a dodgeball courts what it's like bringing it all back but what hey, about listen. badminton <laughs> yeah <laughs> listen for all the pickleball lovers i'm happy for you though you know what i mean Mm-hmm. <laughs> so golfing is back on uh pickleball and tennis so that's that's a big change and then um the governor's also allowing some retail shops to be able to offer curbside pickup as well so the restaurants have all been able to do that but now curbside retail and also cannabis um is available so two other little changes here in the kind of phase before phase one <laughs> get your drive-through edibles now i love that. that's right but um you were mentioning how vegas is going to look very different and, yeah. and you and i have been reading some articles we've been looking at some of the different resorts plans for reopening and 
you know, there's a lot. Um, recently, the Wins CEO actually uh, just this week, and as I said, we're recording on May 1st, but just this week spoke with the president of the United States and kind of updated him on the plan that they have laid out for opening the Win Las Vegas, which includes the Win and the Encore Tower. So let's listen to what he had to say. Matt Maddox, please. Win, Win Resorts. Hi, yes. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. Um, first, I'd like to uh, echo what you're saying about testing and testing capacity. We have seen a real expansion in testing capacity in Las Vegas, so much so that our university hospital is going from a couple hundred tests a day to 10,000 tests a day. They don't have enough people to test. So I signed a deal with them to allow all WIN employees to get tests anytime for free, and they're going to set up on-site testing. So that's moving forward. Um, we also, during this time, decided to pay all 15,000 of our employees, from housekeepers to head of sales. And uh, we did that because I thought that could help accelerate the economy. So as an example, we took our call center and we've had our call center team up with the health district to become contact tracers. We tripled the amount of contact tracing ability on us for our state to get that moving. Great. Um, and we published a 23-page plan for the whole world to see uh, 10 days ago that lays out exactly what we think a strip opening would look like. We have thermal cameras at our entrances. We have uh, company-supplied PPE. We have just about every UV technology that you can think of for disinfectant. So we're ready, and I'm encouraging our state that we need to begin a phased approach and, uh, and, and get back to business. So, Matt, when do you think the Las Vegas Strip will be opening? Do you have any idea? Uh, so the plan that I put forward to the state is this week, let's start phase one, uh, golf course, tennis courts, small restaurants, small retails, uh, nail salons, et cetera, with social distancing in place. Judge the benchmarks that we've prepared. We prepared three benchmarks based on disease growth, ICU capacity, and testing positivity rate. We're going to have them out there public every day. If we're inside those benchmarks in three weeks, then on Memorial Day, I would hope that we're open. And you have a lot of excess testing capacity. That's great. We do. Others have said that, too. We do. Ron DeSantis said it yesterday. So all 12,000 of our employees in Las Vegas can now go get a test. That's fantastic. Thank you very much. Great sure. job. Say hello to all of my friends. I will. And they posted this video on their Instagram and Twitter, and I was noticing some of the comments, Sean, where people were saying, you know what, I'm happy you have a plan and you've been preparing and people in, you know, your workforce is going to be tested and you're going to have the proper supplies and you've really thought this out, that I'm going to stay at the win. That makes me want to come to the win. So it's interesting right now to hear some of the different companies' plans, and that is kind of instilling a little bit of confidence and safety in some of their potential future future customers. Well, and I think that that's been the thing, not only here in Nevada, but across the country. As long as people know that there is a plan in place and something to go forward with, like that sets a lot of our minds at ease. But when there's just this ambiguous, I don't know, thing about potentially reopening, but no specific guidelines for it, that's when we start to get a little bit crazy. But I know that uh, next door to the uh, uh, on Corin Win over at the Venetian Palazzo, they have like an 800 step plan mm -hmm. for their reopening process. And you think about it, you're like, really? Like 800 steps? Wow. But when you start to break it down, like it's a lot of necessary things. Like they're having 
thermal cameras and a lot of these things are, uh, you know, what Wynn and Encore are mm-hmm. mentioning too, but, you know, thermal cameras are going to be there. A restaurant seating is going to be a lot more spread out than what we've been used to. They're going to have a, a staff of like two dozen EMTs who are on site 24 hours a day. Uh, there's going to be packages of, of gloves, masks, and hand sanitizers in every single room. Obviously, they'll take measures for their uh, and casino employees as well, but casino chips are going to be sanitized every two hours. You know, mm. We've also seen renderings of what dividers could potentially look like on the gaming floor as well. Yeah, that's it's interesting to see. And it's like, well, okay, I mean, I guess. I mean, you you gotta have the separation. Will you feel a little bit more comfortable having this kind of I don't know, I call it a spit guard next to you or in front of you. But um yeah, all these changes, it's 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 a lot. It's a lot to process, a lot to take in. And like you said, the win mentions in their plan, they're doing a lot of those similar things. And, you know, when it comes to gaming, they've really gotta you know, basically take these precautions. They were saying if a dealer changes out, they'll immediately come in and change, you know, wash down everything that they touched. And, and if you're, you're doing, you know, the gambling where you forget the name of it, where you throw the dice, what's it called? They're going to clean the dice. Yes. Craps. (laughs) Yeah. Apparently they, every person that, you know, every, the dice has to be clean for the next person to throw it. So makes Uh, sense. Well, and one thing that Vegas has been built on from the very beginning are, are buffets. You know, mm-hmm. back in the day, you know, it was the 99 cent dollar 99 buffet where you could go and get the best food that there is. Well, I have a feeling that buffets are going to be drastically different because I know even in some of these plans that the casinos have laid out, um, their banquets and that sort of thing, they're going to be very much spread out. And self-service is not a part of the plan. Definitely not in the near term anyway. Right. Yeah. It did say like no more self-serving buffets and stuff for obviously and until it, until it's possible for that to ever change, or maybe they'll just keep it that way. So yeah, that, that's a big deal. And then I was reading, you know, I, I, I must say I started to get a little anxious. I was reading, you know, that upon entry, so say, you know, even as a local, we go over to the, the win or whatever, and we walk in the front door and, you know, you're going to be handed a mask and it says every customer is going to be asked to wear a mask on, the resort property. So my wheels start turning immediately because it goes right to the pool, which is my favorite part. <laughs> and I started thinking, you know, a lot of times we have visitors and we we visit and I love, you know, hanging out at the pool and stuff. But the even the pool plan, it's it's extensive. Now they're talking about separating the chairs, power washing the cabanas, you know, the area where you check in with the towels when you're greeted will constantly be sanitized and, and changed. The lifeguards, where they sit, um, will be every time the lifeguard changes, everything will be washed down. So it's really interesting. And they were already saying that the, what they use in the pools is, um, good for sanitation already. And they may up their game there as well. But I started thinking like, do we have to wear masks at the pool? Well, that would certainly cause for some funny tan lines. Right. So I'm thinking, how is that possible? And then who's going to want to be at the pool wearing a mask? The mask thing, listen, I am all for it and it is important. It is safety. I'm just, that part is, you know, it's hot here. It's, um, people are going to want to be having a good time at these 
inside the resorts at the pool, all that kind of thing. I'm like, how are we going to drink our drink? How are we going to flirt? How are we going to see what anyone's teeth looks like? <laughs> I mean, all this stuff is very important. <laughs> well, Dana, rest assured, I had an ad pop up for me on Instagram the other day, and there are masks out there where you can <laughs> provide a picture of yourself and they will print it. They will print the lower half of your face onto a mask so that oh it'll match God. up so that when you put on your mask, it's like you're looking at your whole face. Oh my gosh. Now that is kind of creepy. <laughs> and then if you want to change with your friend, who knows, Dana, if I grow out my five o'clock shadow, you can have my <laughs> mask and you can be the bearded lady. Oh my gosh. Good. Well, at this point I need something to cover my brows that make them look nice and shaped because it's getting pretty bad up there. Well, I need an eyebrow blend. wax. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we look at all these things and we think it's just going to change the whole culture, you know, of Las Vegas. And in many ways, you know, because we've lived here for so long and we've seen it, it's, it's upsetting, you know, and I know we're going to get through it. And I know all these precautions are definitely important in order to reopen, but it, it is a little concerning. Yeah. Well, you and I both came here to Las Vegas in the early 2000s. When we arrived here, you know, things were kind of at the peak of, you know, spending. It was when the, the housing bubble was blowing up and then all of a sudden the floor just dropped out of everything. We've been through tough times here in Las Vegas before, uh, you know, and we've seen it come back right before, mm -hmm. right before uh, the coronavirus hit our, our, nation and our city, you know, things were just about is at the top of, of mm -hmm. where they could be. Um, yeah. so, you know, we've been there at the, the bottom level of it before, and I think we're going to be going through that rebuilding process again, but there is an uphill, there is an upside to it all. It'll just take time to get there. Yeah, and we did a poll on our Facebook and our Vegas Revealed Twitter, and it was interesting because you can tell the. Uh, and I was just saying, like, what, what's the, when do you want to see Vegas fully reopen, like fully open, good to go, everything, sporting events, everything. And it was funny because on Twitter, everyone that responded was like, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. So I mean, Twitter, Twitter had a response of like, now <laughs> they're ready, and then Facebook was a pretty pretty good mix of different opinions. You know, some people saying right now, tomorrow, some people are saying, you know what, I kind of like this chilled atmosphere for now. And whenever it's safe enough, someone else posted saying, um, when it's safe enough as it was this time last year, um, things like that, or, you know, slowly rolling it out in phases and, and that kind of thing. It was really mixed thoughts, but there's definitely a differing of opinions when it comes to when we should open. Yeah, well, I, I think everybody wants to have things back as soon as possible. But, um, you know, yeah. I think we're just going to have to take our time with it and see, you know, when we're actually able to get back to where we want things to be. Yeah. And one thing I did want to point out when, when we talk shows here, we're built on shows. The one thing that the wind had mentioned is the um, La Rev Theater, that from now on, they'll only have one show per night. So basically a deep clean, it's all ready to go, show happens, and then they're done. Where sometimes they used to have two shows, so now yeah. they'll just do one. With so uh, one spaced out seating for, for right. guests who come in to see those shows as well. Yeah, it is uh, literally a whole new world. And so we'll keep you up to date on our social channels and, of course, um, 
here on the podcast and, and as we learn new things, but we're just riding along with everyone else and, and doing whatever is recommended. We just got to do what we got to do. We're still staying home for now and, and we'll, you know, enjoy a little pickleball as time goes on. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, one of the other things that we're doing to keep entertained aside from pickleball is uh, logging into our streaming services and catching up on all that's new. That's right. So stick around. We've got film critic Josh Bell joining us to talk about kind of the new world of movie and TV show watching coming up next. Want to welcome in Josh Bell, a film critic from Las Vegas. I've known Josh for a very, very long time, and uh, he's really the, one of the best in town. And Josh, I must say, I love whenever I look on Rotten Tomatoes and I see a review by Josh Bell. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, thank you. Yeah, Rotten Tomatoes has been good for me to uh, to get my name out there and get my reviews read, read by people. So uh, I appreciate that. Any kind of support. Always nice. And Josh, I mean, I have to imagine, I know in all the conversations that I've been having, whether it be friends, family, or even on business calls, the number one topic of conversation is what are you watching? Has that been a question that you've gotten even more these days? I, I do think people are are paying more attention to that, especially what, what they're watching at home. Uh, they're catching up on things that maybe they had a long list of shows or movies that they always wanted to get to. Uh, I, I, I do think that there's there's more attention paid to it, which is nice for someone like me. I mean, uh, I think there's always an interest in entertainment. There's always an interest in, in movies. But in a difficult time, it's nice to know that what I do is still appreciated and that people are still looking for recommendations and uh, for analysis and criticism about what's good and uh, what's not so good out there. It's true. I mean, one of the the shows that I've watched all three seasons of is Ozark. Have you seen that? You know, I I'm not a fan of Ozark. Uh, okay. You're, you, you are certainly not alone in that. It seems like a lot of people have been watching that recently, especially because I think the third season was released just right around when people were all having to stay at home. Uh, I watched. I think it was about half of the first season when it first came out to write a review, and I just I have a lot. I don't have a lot of patience for these very slow, very grim, very like literally dark, like that show is hard to see. Um, the, the, these kinds of crime shows, I think there's just an abundance of them and they just drag me down. So I haven't been a fan, but um, many people disagree with me on that. Oh, but Josh, I, I, I am one of them because it gets even better and even darker as you go. <laughs> they, 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 turn, they, they turn down the lights so much that you can't actually see any of the characters. Is that where it gets to? Because it seemed like it was almost there. <laughs> no, it's true. I must admit, I had to take a break because first I did have to take a break to watch something like happy one day because I was like, I can't deal with this. It's stressing me out. Yeah, I mean, I like stuff that's that's dark and depressing uh, plenty of times, but I feel like shows like Ozark, especially because you turn it on and every episode is like an hour or more long and the story moves at this glacial pace and it's all just about kind of beating you down. And I don't know, I just can't take that. 
So, okay, then if we're getting away from dark <laughs> stuff, what are some of your recommendations for things that'll lighten the mood a little bit and, and keep us in good spirits? Well, I mean, I do like dark stuff. And uh, I mean, there's been some new stuff recently that is dark that I like. But uh, in terms of movies, um, on the lighter uh, side of things, one movie that I've really liked recently that's available on VOD to rent is called Banana Split. It's a teen comedy uh, with uh, Hannah Marks and Leon. Liberato about these two teen girls who become friends, even though one of them is dating the other's ex. And it's really about this celebration of kind of female friendship and the way that that uh, transcends these romantic relationships that these two characters have. It's it's kind of an 80s or 90s throwback if you like teen comedies from that era. That's been one of my favorite movies uh, of this year and is definitely a light film. Um, also kind of on the lighter edge, a movie that's going to be out uh, for VOD rental on this coming Tuesday, May 5th, called Raising Buchanan. Real low-budget kind of thing, uh, quirky comedy about this uh, slacker loser who decides that she's going to turn her life around by stealing the corpse of former President James Buchanan and <laughs> ran ran ransoming it. Uh, and then she discovers that uh, nobody actually wants it back. Um, and the best thing about that movie is it's, uh, it has uh, René Arbergenois in one of his last performances before he passed away. And he plays Buchanan as this kind of imaginary figure that the main character talks to. And it's just, it's so, it's funny and it's rich and warm. And it makes, it made me feel like, oh, I wish that he got a chance to do like a one man show as James Buchanan, uh, which of course that's not ever going to happen. But uh, that's a really uh, under the radar film that uh, I think people could check out. So those are a couple lighter ones, um, but there's there's dark stuff that's good out there too. Yeah, no, it's good to because people keep saying it's really important right now to watch lighter ones and watch comedies and stuff like that to kind of keep your spirits up. So I think that's a really good point. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I think there there have been some movies, I and mean, there's a movie on Netflix right now called The Platform that's a sort of sci-fi horror thing about this dystopian prison that's really a metaphor for the class system, and it's a really good movie. I mean, it's intense, and it's uh, it's got a great production design, um, but that's the kind of thing that, mm, if you're not in the right mood, you really probably can't take that. So I, I'm not as gung-ho about recommending something like that, because I know it might not be quite what people can handle watching right now. I know one of the things that I'm looking forward to is Ryan Murphy's new series coming to Netflix, Hollywood, just because I'm so, I, I love, uh, I don't know, I just love everything about it, and I love what Ryan Murphy does, too. Yeah, I'm not, see, here we go again, I'm not a fan of Ryan Murphy, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, I, I reviewed that show recently, that's out, uh, that's out this week, and you know what, I will say, if you like what Ryan Murphy does, if you like his ridiculous over-the-top excess and the lack of subtlety and everything and these really big, broad performances, then you will probably like that show. I think it's got it's got a good attention. The idea of this alternate history take on Hollywood, where 1940s Hollywood is somehow more progressive than today is, and all of these marginalized groups get their chance to shine that they never really had. I think it's an admirable idea, but it's it's delivered with this ridiculous blunt kind of hit you over the head style that is really Ryan Murphy's signature. So I suppose 
you know, it works if that's what you're looking for, but I can't say I was a fan. <laughs> you know, Sean, I don't know if you know this, but so I, I interviewed Josh at Channel 13 for, for like four years, and um, he has a website called Josh Bell Hates Everything. Um, so <laughs> Josh is very particular, but here's the deal. When he does like something and when he describes it, he's right on, and that's what I love, because I know that if he does like something, that chances are I'm probably going to like it too. So there's that. <laughs> well, see, I need that stuff. I need Ryan Murphy's style where it does beat you over the head because I'm not a very cerebral kind of person. So I need that very blatant storyline laid out for me. Well, fair enough. And I mean, part of being a critic is understanding that uh, not everything is for everyone. And if you have a certain perspective that maybe I don't have, something will work better for you than it works for me. Um, so I that's about the best I can say about that show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, jo and Josh, I know it must be difficult for you. What's it been like for you not being able to go to the movies? Because I know you were always going to movie previews. And then also kind of on that same note, I mean, this is probably just really put streaming, which it already was in the spotlight, but really upped its game. Yeah, I mean, it's a bummer not to be able to go to the theater. I know for a lot of people, going to the movie theater is something that they hadn't really cared about, but I would go multiple times a week, every week, and uh, I, I miss it. Absolutely, I miss it. I mean, I'm glad to be able to still watch movies and write about movies and talk about movies, and that's great, and I'm glad that there's still stuff coming out, but I absolutely feel like that experience of going to the theater is so valuable and is something that I hope won't disappear. I mean, there's a lot of turmoil, just as there is in everything right now, and questions about what will reopen eventually when it's when, even when it's able to reopen, are these companies going to be able to stay in business? And uh, there's there's it has put streaming and VOD in the spotlight um, in a in a positive way for things maybe like Amazon Prime and Netflix and and stuff that was always going to stream. But we've had also these movies that were set to release in theaters that are being now released on demand or released to streaming. We had a Trolls World Tour a few weeks ago that's somehow become this huge controversial thing that Universal Pictures decided to put out on VOD rather than in theaters. And uh, it's created this huge battle between the studios and the movie theaters about the window that that was what they call it of time that's a movie supposed to be in theaters before it comes out on uh, uh for home viewing and it feels like that this is a chance for a lot of these movie studios to say you know what we don't maybe need the theaters anymore and we're going to break that window and we're going to start putting our stuff out for home viewing right away and so i don't know what it's going to look like for theaters i hope that they'll stay open i hope that there will still be movies exclusively released in theaters i once it's safe I want to be back in a movie theater. I just don't know when that's going to be. Yeah, there really is nothing that that beats that theater experience, though. You don't get that at home. Even if you have a, a home theater, which, you know, only a select few people have, uh, you really don't get that whole experience. And I just love the reactions of, of everybody uh, who's watching the, the movie with you. But there are ways that we can still go out and support uh, some of our local theaters, even virtually, though, right? Yeah, there's uh, a 
kind of a program that a lot of independent film distributors have been supporting that they call virtual cinema. And this has been to support, uh, again, independent like art house type theaters. So here in town, we have Eclipse Theaters, which is located downtown, and they've been participating in this. And basically you go to their website, eclipsetheaters.com. They have a whole lineup of movies and it's all these smaller independent films and foreign films. And honestly, really the kind of stuff that I wish Eclipse Theaters had been showing when it was open, mm. as opposed to all of the mainstream Hollywood stuff, which is really what they were mostly showing there. Um, but you can click on this on the website on Eclipse Theaters. It's, uh, I think the typical price is about $12. So it's a little higher than a, a regular VOD rental, but the money will go to the theater and it will allow the theater to stay open, to pay some of its bills. And so that when it's possible for businesses to reopen, the theater will still be there. Um, so, and if you do check that out, uh, at eclipsetheaters.com. Uh, one movie I recommend is a film called Corpus Christi that was an Oscar-nominated or I think Oscar-shortlisted foreign film uh, about a convict who poses as a priest in a small town. Really powerful and actually kind of uplifting and positive documentary, or do not documentary, drama, uh, as we've been talking about. And uh, there's another foreign film on there called Baccarat that's been getting great reviews that I've been meaning to check out. So I'm hoping to go myself and support Eclipse Theaters when I have a moment to watch that movie. Okay, that's really cool. Yeah, and you were saying that there's kind of Vegas film festivals or Nevada film festivals that are doing stuff too, right? Yeah, a couple of film festivals. The Las Vegas Jewish Film Festival has, uh, they've got uh, a second one coming up, what they call their virtual screenings. Um, they're showing the documentary uh, called Barbara Streisand Becoming an Icon on May mm -hmm. 6th. So you can go to their Facebook page and sign up for that and the, you'll be able to watch the movie. And then there's also a, a virtual kind of Q&A session. Josh Abbey, who is the director of the festival, will be discussing the movie with some guests. So you get the full film festival title experience there, not only watching the movie, but having the chance to, to hear about it and to discuss it. Uh, and then there's also a film festival uh, based in Reno called the Scion Film Festival. That's a festival focused on science documentaries and science fiction. And they're having their entire festival online, uh, May 4th hmm. through 9th. Uh, if you go to their website, you can sign up for a pass. Uh, I think it's $15 for a full festival pass, and you're able to watch their entire program, which includes uh, short films, and again, includes discussions and Q&As and all of the things that you would hope to get at a film festival. So there's tons of festivals around the country that are doing this, and uh, I hope more Nevada-based and Las Vegas-based festivals will be doing it as we get to the point where some of these festivals would have had their physical events and maybe they're not able to. I'm hoping they'll be able to move some of that stuff online. And these film festivals are obviously great platforms for local filmmakers to get their projects seen. Is is Are those festivals the only way or is streaming an option for local filmmakers too? Um, no, streaming is absolutely an option. The film festivals have been historically have been great for promoting local film and I hope they will continue to. But uh, there are a lot of local films that you can watch on streaming. Um, just recently, there have been uh, a few that have premiered within the last month or so. There's a couple local horror movies, uh, Abigail Haunting from director Kelly Schwartz, who's a longtime local filmmaker, uh, and an anthology film called Scare Me. Both of those are on Amazon Prime, uh, just came out within the last month or month and a half. And uh, local filmmaker Brandon Christensen has his new film, also a horror movie, 
movie called Z that's going to be premiering on Shudder, which is a horror streaming service on May 7th. Uh, but there's a lot of different kinds of locally focused films uh, that are available to stream or to rent. Uh, in terms of recent stuff, there's a, a really fun documentary called An Irish Story, This Is My Home, which is about the band, the Black Donnellys, who are a resident band at Rira in uh, Mandalay Place and is about this crazy mm. effort that they made to set a, a Guinness World Record for playing, I think it's uh, 60 shows in 40 days in 50 states or something like that. Uh, and that documentary is available for VOD rental. Uh, there's a film on Netflix called Jezebel from uh, Numa Perrier, who is uh, a former local. And it's a really interesting drama based on her time uh, that she spent as a cam girl in Vegas in the 90s and uh, was shot here. So uh, all sorts of different local films that you can support, and, and especially those ones that are, are completely made locally. If you rent something like that and you spend the money, that money is going to those local filmmakers who made the movie. Yeah, I love this. And I was just thinking, you know, we always talk about how things are going to change. And I wonder, like, when you talk film festivals, if, you know, this is going to be an option in the future to not only have the film festival where you can physically go, but maybe offer it online as well. Like you were talking about watching the film and having the Q&A. If you could watch that online, maybe you pay, I don't know, your ticket price isn't as high as if you were physically there. But do you think that we'll start seeing more of that stuff? I do think so. Um, I mean, I hope it doesn't replace the physical film festival once those are safe to hold, because I think for me personally, just like going to the theater, that film festival experience is so valuable and being able to interact with people, to have the range of filmmakers and film fans and industry people and, and journalists and all of those. Uh, who come together at a film festival, but absolutely, I mean, for something like a bigger film festival like Sundance or Toronto, uh, where maybe a lot of people aren't able to access it, to put that online, to be able to watch a movie that premieres at one of those film festivals at the same time as the people who are lucky to be there, and to be able to see the Q&A with maybe a big name filmmaker or actor, uh, I think that is absolutely something uh, that will become more prevalent. And I know at least Toronto, for example, which is uh, set to happen in September, and they, of course, at this point, they don't know how much they'll be able to do in person. And they're already planning for a sort of hybrid where some of their programs will be online and they're hoping some of them will be in, in person as well. Um, but that's something that I would imagine that even if they are able to have a lot of in-person events by September, they'll still do some stuff online and people will be able to access more of that festival than they would have been able to if they aren't able to travel there. Yeah, I think I hope that that is one of the the side effects of what we're going through now, whether you're retail, a restaurant or an event based uh, function. I, I really hope that the ways that people are being able to reach out and expose their service product or event to people now. I hope that that continues as as we move forward, because it does make things more accessible. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just hope for a balance, like I was saying. I think there's, when it comes to movies at least, these in-person things, whether that's going to a theater or going to a film festival or even going to a video store, which is something that's, you know, has been dying out. But we have, for example, like movies and candy here in Vegas and the experience of being in that space, being surrounded by choices, being able to talk to someone face-to-face -to, -face to give you recommendations and, and, and talk about movies. I think all those experiences are really valuable and I don't want them to go away. But if they 
can be augmented by online experiences. And like I said, especially if it means that people who wouldn't be able to go to these things or see these movies, especially smaller films or exclusive films, will be able to, those will be able to find a wider audience. I do think that's great, but I, I would be bummed if when, uh, when all this is over and things are safe, if movie theaters weren't around or if there were far fewer of them, I hope that won't be the case. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do love a good movie. And I think in Vegas where we have so many things and events that are over the top and everything, sometimes uh, going to a movie theater is kind of a nice break, you know, but now we'll just, we'll take anything at this point. <laughs> yes. Yes, we will. And like I said, the good thing is that there's still been plenty of new movies. And if you are just looking for something new, there's, there's all sorts of stuff on streaming and on demand. And I'm glad that that's been coming. Not everything is being held back for, you know, some future day when it might be able to open in theaters. Yeah. Oh, I love this conversation because I literally, I feel like I run out of things to watch. I'm like now watching the Vampire Diaries from like 2000 and something. I don't know what. And it's not bad, Josh. Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> I never got into that, but there's a lot of it. I think that ran for a lot of seasons. So it did. you'll have plenty of uh, stuff to watch. Well, and like I said, I mean, there's new stuff, but, but I think for plenty of people, it's also like, hey, I always wanted to watch the Vampire Diaries and I never had time <laughs> and now I do. So why not? I, you know. <laughs> If you're Why enjoying not? it, then then I'm <laughs> I'm all for it. Well, that's the one thing you can count on. At 9.30 every night, Dana has her popcorn popping and Vampire <laughs> Diaries playing. <laughs> I do. It's like clockwork. 9.30 is the time. You must have saw my tweet, Sean. <laughs> I think that, that's wonderful. You know, it's like good to have a kind of a, like a nice routine in, in these uncertain times. So if that's what works for you, then I yeah, I think that's great. Vampire yeah. Diaries. Maybe check out, have you watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer? If you're looking for a vampire TV show, that's a classic. No. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, wow. Definitely check out Buffy. I'm not sure where that's streaming, but I'm sure it's somewhere. I, I'm a huge fan of that show. Sink your teeth into yeah. that one. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> love it well josh listen thanks so much for joining us love all your input love all the local stuff and we'll keep checking in with you and um hope you're hanging in there and, and getting cozy and watching movies at home until you can get out and actually get back to the theater again that is what i'm doing thank you so much for having me and dana we're gonna have to go see the top gun movie in december we are i mean oh, we're gonna have a whole nother discussion on that i was gonna save that for a later day but oh, top okay, gun yeah. 2 top gun 2 is delayed and now josh you are literally coming to the movies with me in december just like you said <laughs> i will be there absolutely <laughs> sean you're invited too okay all right thank you <laughs> <laughs> my goose and my maverick okay you guys listen have a great day josh and thanks again for joining us thanks, thanks for having me It's time for Dana and Sean's secret tips. And now Sean's tip's going to lead it off. And I encouraged Sean to do this one because I thought, what a great idea. So, Sean, tell us, what do you do every summer at your house that I think is going to be especially important this year? I turn my own backyard into my own personal day club, pool <laughs> included. And now, I don't have a built-in pool in my backyard because my, my lawn is kind of narrow and thin, but there's still space back there to be able to take a dip if you put a pool in. Now, what I'm not wow. going to do is spend 20 or 30 grand to put in a pool. So what I do is I go online every single year and get an inflatable pool for 20 bucks and you fill nice. that sucker up with hose water and you, there is room 
there are rectangular ones and there's room to put two lounge chairs in there side by side. We have these little floaties that you can put a, a solo cup in. And so you're out there, you have the Bluetooth, we have Bluetooth uh, rock speakers that look like rocks. So we have the music pumping, laying in the lounge chairs in this inflatable pool. It's super like low budget, but when it's 110 degrees outside, I don't care how low budget it is. It feels good. Yeah, no, that works. So what do you do? So you fill it up with the cold hose water and then you dump it out at the end of every day because it gets so hot, it must warm up. Yeah, it does. We don't keep... Listen, the one thing I'm not going to do is keep stagnant water around so that we can add West Nile into this whole mix of <laughs> craziness that we already have. So yeah, right. we we have an electric, uh, an electric, like kind of a, a sump pump kind of thing mm-hmm. that we put in there, attach the hose to it, and then we attach a sprinkler to the other end of the hose, and then we're watering our lawn at the same time. So we're not wasting water. We're getting double use out of everything that we're doing. Oh my gosh. I love it. What a great idea. And it's affordable. And you're right. Nobody can be in Las Vegas without a pool or or some type of water something at their house. And this year, you know, a lot of people are going to have to deal with that because a lot of the community pools and things will be closed. So this is a great idea. Take Sean's advice, 20 bucks, 20 something, probably taxes. I'm sure. Where do you usually get it? Like Walmart, Target or something like that? Yeah, it's either Walmart or Target. We did just take a trip up to, uh, our closest target store in the, in the shelves where they normally have all the, all the inflatable pools were wiped clean. So we're going to have to go online and order, and it'll probably take a lot longer than, than what we normally do, but, but that's okay. I'm willing to wait. Well, you better get on it. And listen, Sean finds everything. And let me tell you, um, he is the one who found me bath and body works, antibacterial, gel that is impossible to find online. And so I don't know if you guys know the little teeny ones that you can just put in your car, put in your purse. They have literally been out of stock forever. But Sean found like a five pack available one day and then gifted me one. And for me, it was like the biggest treasure I ever received and the best gift I ever received because, you know, you get bored of the one, the alcoholic smell, the alcohol smell. So these are different kinds of scents. And then Sean, then you send me a link later that day and you're like, Hey, there's five packs like on sale and they're available. Go, go, go. So like, this is pretty rare, but you have found a way to get on there. And so I ordered five more. I think I ordered um, cherry pound cake scents or something like that. But it's hard to find. But here's the trick. Sean, you said just keep looking at all times of the day. You just got to keep that link up, right? And then refresh. Well, because I have a feeling what Bath and Body Works is doing, because you know, they have every scent under the sun. Mm -hmm. And they probably have quite a warehouse full of these things, but I think what they're doing is they're only releasing one cent per day so that they don't get totally wiped out. Mm -hmm. And so you do, you have to go on, you have to refresh your page. You have to look multiple times a day, every day. So there are sanitizers available, even when you can't find them at your local store. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been great. I'm excited because they, 
think I think they just shipped the other day. It takes a while to get them. So if you can grab them, grab them. And I just want to say I did have a couple people write me on Facebook t- t- um, that day that I had posted about it saying, hey, we're making sanitizers or I started a business and check out my page. So I know there's a lot of local people, too. If you do need some hand sanitizer and you want to support local, that's a great idea as well. Um, same thing with masks. So many people creating masks and, and coming up with different um, products there. So look around for that if you can. Um, someone's going to send me uh, her mask creation through the mail and they're washable. I like that idea because the one Ooh. I've been using, like, yeah, I kind of wash it. I lay it out on the patio, but, you know, I don't really know if it's made to be washed. It'd probably just be replaced. So lots of ideas out there. But who knew, Sean, that hand sanitizer and face masks would be something that we would consider a tip? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I love it. I love yeah. it. And you actually, like, kind of squealed and clapped when you got your hand sanitizer. I really did. It's exciting. And I think about it all the time when I'm heading out. I'm like, oh, I forgot I have my my hand sanitizer in my purse. It's so exciting. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway. These days. It is. It is. Listen, thanks for joining us, everyone. It's been a good mix of, of conversation for this podcast, and we'll continue to do it. You know, we usually record from the Venetian, but obviously the Venetian isn't open, and so we're doing it on Skype. Thanks, as always, for bearing with some of our audio glitches, but that's just the way it is for now, Sean. It certainly is, and, uh, you know, hang in there, and we'll hang in there right along with you. That's right. We'll see you at the pickleball court, everyone. Have a great day. <laughs> Say ya. Me and my dudes at the Maria, chillin' and drinks, spillin', so what you say, ma?